You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungles closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash Hey everyone, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, it's behind the bastards. It's That's right. It certainly is. It's It certainly is. You can't argue about that. That is uh, a fact that is as undeniable as it is undeniable that someone in the subreddit will decide to argue with us about that point. Because huh. that is what they like to do. I'm Robert Evans, host of Behind the Bastards, where just a couple of weeks ago, I made a comment that I will not be calling mummies mummified persons because I like mummies. And somebody took offense at that on behalf of the mummies. And I'm just going to tell you right now, Abbott and Costello versus the mummified person. Terrible, terrible name for a movie. So we're not going back. Never. Anyway, Mia, welcome to the program. Thanks. I'm I'm here. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make a non-legally actionable statement, which is that if I remember correctly, the Oriental Institute stole their entire uh, everything that's there is stolen. So for sure, non-legally actionable. This is just what I remember off the top of my head. It'll yeah, be great. Yeah. No, it's one of those things. The- <laughs> People were like, "Well, you know, it's it's important to acknowledge the humanity of, the, of these mummies because a lot of them were stolen." And I was like, "No, no, no. It's important to give them back because a lot of them were stolen. Yeah. <laughs> we can still call them mummies." <laughs> The problem is not that people were calling them mummies. It's that they stole dead people. (laughs) And then ate them. Yeah. Which is great. The issue is not that we used the term mummy. Just let it be, everybody. Anyway, I'm... I'm very mummy pilled. Um, I'm very glad you're mummy pilled, but um, thank you, Sophie. Introduce our guest, Mia Wong. Mia, Mia Wong, how are you doing today on the podcast that it is right now? Normally, you're on another podcast, but today you're on this one. Yeah, I have I have hijacked this podcast in order mm-hmm. to chess. Which oh, is oh god, oh god, we're talking if, about if, chess again. Uh-huh. Yes, which I I real I really I'm realizing is if it wasn't a hack and a fraud, I would have actually asked you before we did this. Do you if you actually play chess at all? Well, again, there's no orcs in chess, so no, That's of course true. not. No, when <laughs> I was true. a child, I played a few games of chess, and then I was introduced to the true game of skill, Warhammer Forty Thousand Third Edition, um, mm. and and. And so that's that's the only strategy game I ever needed. 
You know, can, can consider considering the minds of every single person in this story who plays chess. I think this is actually a wise decision. It 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 does it does something to your brain. That that's what that's what I've learned after many many hours of reading about chess players is yeah something something fundamentally breaks in your brain when you play chess for this long. That does not surprise me. It it seems like the kind of thing that people get extremely into, um, and then uh uh make it the entire core of their identity, much like Warhammer 40,000, but again, without orcs. Yes, but uh, sim- similar numbers of fascists, as we're, as we're going to find. Yes, yes, that, I, that, is, that also does not surprise me to hear. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so speaking of Nazis and fascists, um, one, one, one of the sort of elements of this story that is kind of important is getting some kind of understanding of how good these people are at chess, sure. because none of the story makes any sense unless... You know the the people doing this are genuinely previously good. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna start this with a a brief tangent about a man named Miguel Najdorf. So Miguel Najdorf is not a bastard. He is very cool, and his life story is very sad. Um, he 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 was born to a Jewish family in Poland in 1910, which is oh that's not gonna go well. So no, yeah, you can tell, no, you can tell this is gonna go. That's, um, oh oh yeah. boy! <laughs> so <laughs> one of the one of the bottom times to be born to a Jewish family yep. in Poland, 1910. Yep. That's that's right because you're gonna be old enough to be fully aware of how bad things are going. <laughs> yep. So. No Nash magical Dorf. realism for you. Oh God, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. It's it's th- this story. This story is going to get very bleak very quickly. Yeah. So N- Nashdorf, in, in you know, he as, as a kid, is it's very clear that he's very very good at chess. Um, he very rapidly becomes a grandmaster, which is the the, the highest official rating in chess. Um, so there's this organization called FIDE or the International Chess Federation. Um, and they they basically run chess after like. A certain period of time. They're, they're, sure. they're, okay, you you could do like seventeen episodes just about FIDE politics. It's nonsense. I I don't understand how this chess organization has so much political drama, but it does. Mm-hmm. But it, it, so in 1950, FIDE creates the rank of international grandmaster, and they choose 27 people to be the first grandmasters. Nazdorf is one of them. Um, these okay. days he's famous. Yeah, he he's a he's a he's a a mighty player. Um, I mean, th- these, you oh, would sorry. have to have a pretty good strategic mind to make it out of Poland in that yeah, period well, of time. You so gotta be I, a thinker. <laughs> well, here's, the, 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 he, so he gets out of he's, he gets out of Poland, but he's he's out of Poland when everything goes to shit because he's playing a tournament in Argentina. Oh, oh boy, wow, that's I don't. There's like there's a comment to make there, given the history of Argentina and the people who yeah. made Poland be a problem. But I don't know what it is right now, so we should probably just move well, on. Yeah, I mean the other thing I will say about it is that there are a lot of Jews who fled to Argentina before this was happening. So do do mm-hmm. not automatically assume that someone with the European last name in Argentina is a I Nazi because there's actually a good chance that they're like someone who is fleeing the Nazis. Well, that's awkward, um, but it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So Nashdorf today, I think, is probably most famous as like there's there's an opening in chess called the Nashdorf, or technically speaking, its full name is the Sicilian Defense, the Nashdorf variation. So I, I okay, we're gonna do a little bit of we're gonna do like one thing of chess terminology, which is that chess is this thing called openings. Okay, and they're they're like standard sets of moves that people play at the beginning yeah. of the game. Yeah, yeah. and and. Now you know if 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 you have a if you have an opening named after you, it is because you were an important player in the history of chess. Okay, and Nashdorf's yeah, I mean, that makes opening, sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and Nashdorf's opening, like I, it, I, I, this might not be true, but I'm pretty sure it's like the most it's like the most studied opening in the history of chess. Yeah, I mean, like, at my have, game store back when I played Warhammer Forty Thousand, 
uh, there was a move that everybody called a Robert, and it was when somebody <laughs> did something so stupid with their army that it led to a victory because the other person simply didn't conceive of somebody doing something that dumb. Um, uh, look, I I, mm-hmm. I I I once beat an eighteen hundred in tournament. Like an eighteen hundred is like a like a, a pretty seriously good chess player. I was like a not very good chess player, but I once beat him because I did that. I played so badly yeah. that he stopped paying attention. He put his queen down, and then yeah. I took it. There's nothing more dangerous than an idiot with a trick up his sleeve. Yep. It's 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 the most dangerous thing in the world. <laughs> or at least in w- wargaming. Anyway. Yeah, so okay, so I'm going to talk about Warhammer a lot during this, Mia. Yes. Well, I, I, so okay, I hope so you're the, ready. The, the conclusion that I had about Bobby Fisher, there, there's two ways to write about Bobby Fisher, right? Mm-hmm. Bobby Fisher is the eventual going to be the subject of this show. Uh th- there's one way where you talk about chess a lot. And then there's okay. another way where you talk about genocide a lot. And everyone, everyone has already done the one where you talk about chess a lot. So I'm going to do the one where you talk about genocide a lot instead of that. Sure. So speaking of genocide. Okay. So how, how good is Najdorf at the game of chess? Um, here's the guardian talking about how many games Najdorf could play at one time while blindfolded for decades. Miguel Najdorf's 45 games at Sao Paulo in 1947 stood as the record. Nesdorf had stayed, yeah, forty-five. <laughs> um, Nesdorf had stayed in Buenos Aires when the war broke out during the nineteen thirty-nine Olympiad, and had, and took up blindfold displays in the hopes that the news of his achievements would reach his relatives in Poland, who would actually perish in concentration camps. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. That's that's, that's a lot. There's a lot there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Playing forty-five. The desperation. That is behind playing 45 games of chess at once so your relatives well, in the Holocaust will know that you achieved something yeah. is like well, it's, both, it's both deeply impressive and like heartbreaking in a really specific yeah. way that I don't think I've encountered before. But yeah, I, 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 I get it. <laughs> it's. I don't know. This is one of the things. The political backdrop of chess is just really bleak. Like, one of the things that's going on in this period is Nazdorf keeps trying to play um, this guy named Alekin, who was the world champion. And Alekin is a Nazi. And he, like, just is not able to play Alekin because bullshit just keeps happening. But, yeah, chess, chess is a game that very, very quickly gets enfolded in this kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, that said, huh. we, we can we can, you know we, we can look back at what sort of Nashdorf like did here in order to like have a chance to see his family again, and you know okay so what what, what was he actually doing? The answer is he is playing forty five people at the same time in his mind. Yeah, yeah, purely just kind of keeping track of the movements in his head. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know I I I I can't find his actual win rate. Like for these, but you know, most of the times when people do simuls like this, they win almost all of these games. And you know, yeah, th- I mean, this I, is yeah, yeah, and, and like th- 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 this is the kind of person that is like at like Bobby Fischer is better than Nashdorf, and this is the kind of thing Nashdorf can do. So this is the, the level of chess that everyone in this story can do, right? Is they can do things like playing forty five games of chess in their mind at the same time. Yep, I mean, that, and, that, yep, okay. Yeah, and and this is this is sort of the justification for everything that we're going to see in this story, right? Like ch- chess is a really game good that, at chess. <laughs> yeah, th- this is this is the justification for like literally people people like like physically turning their backs on like actual genocides going on. 
is that I mean, people don't need chess as an excuse to do that. Oh yeah, no, but they're I absolutely would, I would go so far to as to say it. the normal re- re- reaction to a genocide is to turn your back on it. Yeah. But you know, okay, they they're going to excuse a just incredible milestone specifically because one man was really really good at chess and he was also from the United States. Mm-hmm. And and that that man is Bobby Fischer. Oh boy. Now, most of my knowledge of Bobby Fischer comes from a Hilltop Hoods song called uh, Cosby Sweater. So, I know very little about him other than that he was good at chess. Yeah, that's Okay, so there 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 there, there are two important things about Bobby Fischer. One is that he's mm-hmm. very good at chess. The second one is that he's a Nazi. Oh and gosh. We will, we will be establishing both of these over the course of this episode. Okay. 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 Chess so, Nazi. All right. Well, there's yeah. our title. So that's good. Sophie, mark that mark that off the to-do list. Chess Nazi Bobby Fischer, solid title. That'll keep everybody happy. Yeah, I the the the, the words Bobby Fischer, chess Nazi, this is the closest I've ever come to divine inspiration. They just appeared in my head one day, yeah. and I was like, I need to do this episode no, now. That's that's good. So I mean, why do we I feel like if a Nazi is good at chess, that's an easy case for just just push that push that fellow in a river. Put some heavy rocks in their pockets, right? Right in a river. We don't need we don't we don't need a Nazi to be good at strategy and just kind of hanging around society. That's not going to help anybody. You, you, you would think, but it's chess, and what the, the thing the thing that happens when a Nazi's good at chess is everyone like gives them a bunch of money. Well, I don't like that either. Although, yep, okay, I don't like that either. But I guess it does show that chess isn't really good for anything. Not really, no. <laughs> so, okay, but, but Bobby Fischer was not born rich. He he's born on March 9th, nineteen forty three, at the Michael Reese Hospital in Chicago. And I, I I need to put in and make an important note at the beginning here. We do not claim this man. Uh, fuck this guy. This guy's not a Chicagoan. He leaves very quickly. Wow. Uh, I mean, you can tell it's bad because his hospital was named after the current sheriff of uh, Multnomah County in Portland, <laughs> Mike Reese. Uh, who, who sucks anyway <laughs> um, um, amazingly this that that is not the only person in this story who is going to have the same name as a guy from portland who sucks oh wow that's okay i'm excited for this yeah we, 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 we have we, a we, lot we, of guys who suck that. though so the odds are always pretty good <laughs> yep so all right Re- regina fisher is uh, who's bobby fisher's mother is she is a wild character she is a a longtime very committed communist. Uh, she does. I mean, she she's she's doing activism oh, for so the long. The worst that, Nazis like, start as communists. That's that's yeah okay. Yeah, well, I mean, it, Fisher Fisher's never really a communist. But like his mom is like like she she's so dedicated to like this. Of, she's like, a communist. Yeah. The other the other complicated part of the story is at least his mom and there, there's questions over who Bobby Fisher's dad is. I don't think are that interesting. But at least half of his family is Jewish, and Bobby Fisher still turns out like this. Um. His mom, like, she. So the reason she's in the U.S. is that she she had been like making a living like in the Soviet Union, and then anti-Semitism got so bad under Stalin that she had to flee. Ooh. And so, you know, she's she she's not she's now in the U.S. And when when she gives birth to Bobby, she's like completely broke. She's a homeless single mother, and so after about a week, they kick her out of the hospital, and they're like, okay, well, where do we send this person? And she gets sent to this hospice for single mothers. Great country. I bet this was a nice place, well-funded, had a lot you of know, respect for single mothers. Okay, here's the thing, here's the thing. If, if she had been allowed to stay there, it probably would have been kind of okay. The problem is that the the, the, the way the hospice worked was that uh, it's only supposed to take care of parents and newborns. 
So Regina has another daughter or has a daughter who's like very young. Okay. And she tries to bring the daughter to this hospice thing and they, they are immediately like, you need to leave. And she's like, no, I, I have a, a literally a week old baby and another child and I have no home. So she tries to stay there and they call the cops. Cool. And not all, and this isn't just like a, like they, you know, the, the CPD arrests her and this isn't even just like an arrest. The, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's not even just like they take her in and like whatever. They, they prosecute her for this. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it, I love, so I love bad. the idea of like the, I've got a job working at a hospice for single mothers because I want to take care of the next generation. What? She has a child that's slightly too old. <laughs> Send her to prison. Yeah. Like, geez, my God. It, it, it's so bad. Like the judge looks at this and is like, what are you guys doing here? Just like, she's like, okay, give her a psyche valve and let her go. Which like, this is a Chicago judge in 1943. That is a terrifying individual. That, that guy probably sentenced eight guys to death like that morning for being slightly too queer. And even he's like, what, what you're trying to put a single mother in prison for trying to stay in a hospice for single mothers. You know, I mean, okay, I mean, this look, is this I, is classic I, CPD this shit. Is, this is this is this is definitely like I my the two parts of me are warring here because on one hand, this is an almost unthinkable nightmare, but on the other hand, I'm very pro child prison. So this is really tough for me, you know? Well, here's the I, thing. Uh, the, the children are too young to do labor. So what what's the point of child prison? Like you, you can't you can't you can't you can't put a one Children are never too prison. young to do labor. They can, I've seen one week olds. They can pick up blocks. We have a lot of blocks in this country that need to be picked up. Look, in aggregate, they can do a lot of work. That's all I'm saying. You've, you've watched too many Andrew Tate Hustler University videos. You gotta, you gotta get those kids working. Mm-hmm. Look, they, if they're not paying rent, they're just, uh, you know, I, I don't, sucking up. Really I keep trying to find a way to, I'm, try, I'm trying to continue this, this joke, podcast. but all of the different lines that come to me are literal pieces of Nazi propaganda. So it's probably best just to move on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> this is cool from this. So, all right. The, the, the first few years of Bobby's life, they are moving constantly. Re- Regina holds mm-hmm. like half a dozen jobs in like nine states. And she's, you know, she's like, I mean, th- this is the middle of World War II. So it's slightly easier to find a job than it would be. Nor, like like in in you know in like say 1938 or something sure but you know she's she, she's she's trying to like work enough to keep her family together and keep her kids fed mm-hmm. and you know th- this means that bobby's childhood is kind of a mess um it doesn't sound good no yeah but what, one thing that emerges very early is that bobby loves games um his his, his biographer frank brady who who writes a, a really good book about probably the best like biography of bobby fisher called endgame bobby fisher's remarkable rise and fall that i'm gonna be using for oh, a lot good. of this so there is a fall that's good oh know. there's definitely a fall well, yeah. you know I'll, okay I'll, I'll give a minor spoiler here is uh, bobby fisher is the first person to be canceled for making fun of 9-11 and maybe the only person who deserves to be canceled for it <laughs> So he does. It does eventually go badly for him. But OK, that's good. That is it, it is currently 1940, like what, 1949. So mm-hmm. that, that's going to take a while. Um, yeah, but Frank Brady tells the story about how Bobby like he starts playing Parcheesi and he really likes okay. the strategy of Parcheesi. But every time a random thing happens, he just loses his mind. 
And so, okay, so so he, he seems to have a, he has a brain that's very good at solving puzzles. And at age six, he buys a chess set. Oh, for so one he doesn't. He doesn't. What do you mean? Is he doesn't like the fact that like Parcheesi is based in part on like rolling of dice? Like he can't yeah, yeah, he the hates fact that. that there's an element of chance. Yeah, again, yeah. he doesn't have the raw human courage necessary to play Warhammer. No, Tragic. and that's like he 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 could never have cut it as a Hearthstone player. No, which is no, why I I, I, I maintain not. I'm better at that game than he ever would have been. Yeah. But okay, so unfortunately, he discovers chess, and he he okay, he, yeah, at like six years old, he he buys a chess set for one dollar. He starts playing it with his family, and his family is like, "I don't want to play chess with you," but Bobby just like wants to play chess constantly. So he starts doing something very strange, which is he just starts playing games against himself. I mean, which, okay, that makes you know, sense. Yeah, like I I I I have done this before when I was really, really bored back, like, before smartphones existed. And yeah, when the Louis body dementia was taking my grandmother, she would just play solitaire over and over and over and over and over and over yeah. again. So that seems, that makes sense to me. But, the, but the, the, thing, the thing with playing chess against yourself is that you know what the other person is doing because you're both people. And so yeah, it's kind try. of exciting. I mean, I play a lot of, like, I so you can play Heroes of Might and Magic 3 on your phone and you can... You can do a hot seat mode. I've played both sides of that. That can be fun sometimes. I'm yeah, with him he, on this, is what I'm saying. Like I, I kind of get it, but like he he does this like literally all the time. Like is this like what he spends his days doing? Yeah, it's more of a way to pass time on a flight. But yeah. So Bobby likes this a lot, and you know th- this this does not make him a normal kid. I uh, he he's really bad at making friends, and also you know the other part the part of his life is sort of genuinely sad is that he's alone at, at, like after school ends he's alone basically constantly because his school gets out before his sister's does, and then his mom is almost never home because she has to work like night shifts and day shifts to sort of like keep the whole family there so she doesn't get home till super late. And okay, so Bob, Bobby has to find something to do, and the thing that he does, and he's doing this as like a like a pretty small child, like he's like seven or eight when he starts doing this is he starts just reading chess books and like playing through the games on his board. Oh boy. Okay. And, you know, okay. So on the one hand, he doesn't probably officially he, like, he doesn't really have anyone to play against, but on the other hand, if you want to train, like, you know, if, if you want to train like a six year old to be really good at chess, like eventually this is what you do, right? You, if, if you want to get good at chess, you sit down with a bunch of books and you study them. And he's going to keep doing this literally his entire life. It, it gets to a point where, like, I mean, he he just this is the only thing he does with his yeah. time is just sit there and read chess books and articles. Again, and, I have I've I've made similar choices with Warhammer Forty Thousand in my past. Um, yeah, although I yeah. mean, I, I, the the extent that Bobby's doing this, he he is reading so many chess books that even like the Soviet chess grandmasters who are literally paid by the state specifically to study chess are like, how are you reading this much stuff? And he's just like, I, I just, I, I, I just, it's the only this. thing in my yeah. life. My entire world is empty of anything but chess. And our entire world, Mia and mine, our entire world is empty of everything except for the products and services that support this podcast. We live in a dank void surrounded by the results of unchecked capital exploitation. So and lots it's and lots of gold. Yeah. Buy some gold.
The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild mini-games. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums. Delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches. Unique playing pieces and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungle's closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air? Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot I do get like 10 to 15 messages a day about the gold ads. Yeah, well, and you love that, Sophie. That lets you feel like like you're not alone. I I know, guys. I Uh see you. Look, I am a big fan of people reaching out to us and letting us know that there are random ads from a shady gold company going into our thing. Please continue to do that. Every day, Sophie messages me and says, my life has been improved by the fact that people are complaining about these random gold ads. Don't just skip ahead by like 30 seconds or a minute using the button on your phone. Message Sophie. She loves it and it makes her feel wanted and like she has uh, a wide and and broad base of, of friends out on the internet just checking out to her, letting her know there's gold ads on the show. So please keep doing it, everybody. Well, one of the upsides of podcasts is that none of, none of, none of you ever, well, I say upsides, none of you ever get to see the face of Sophie Bakes stream this, mm-hmm. which which makes my life better and makes yeah. your life worse, and th- this, this makes me happy. Mm-hmm. Just know that she, my face said, I hate you, Robert Evans. I know, I, I know. I hate you. I know, I know, I know. But you know and who I that, don't hate? Nia Wong. Oh. All right, then. Yay. Let's, okay. uh, let's, let's rock on. Yes, let, let, let us return to the world of Bobby Fischer as a very small child. So, all right, Bobby Fischer's mom is very concerned about the fact that he's just sitting around playing chess all the time but doesn't have anyone to play chess with. So she, she emails a chess guy at, like, the local newspaper and is like, hey, can you find someone for my, like, seven-year-old child to play with? And... For, for for reasons I, I I do not understand, this guy is like, yeah, here, go 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 play at this uh, simultaneous exhibition that this like chess master is going to be holding. So 
Yeah, chess masters do these things where they're called simuls where, you know, like you know, we talked about Nazareth doing one of these, right? I mean, normally they're not blindfolded, but it's a guy shows up and like you, you show up and like 30 of you just get destroyed by this guy. So this new super editor is like, okay, okay, send, send, send Bobby Fisher to play against like this incredibly strong American player. And the result of this is that seven-year-old Bobby Fisher just gets absolutely annihilated and then starts crying because he's a seven-year-old and he's just like gotten destroyed in public. And this is a, this is an interesting sort of event in Bobby's life because people make a lot out of this. Like when, when you read about everything, it was like, this is a critical moment. And like, it probably kind of is, but also like, I don't know. He's a seven-year-old. It turns out when you, when, when, when this happens to a seven-year-old, they cry because they're seven. I mean, it's still toughen up a little bit. Come on, kid. Yeah. He's, I don't, people expect really weird, like, people keep asking, like, people, like, throughout his entire life, people would ask Bobby Fischer about the games that he played when he was seven, and they were like, do you remember these games? And it's like, this man is seven! <laughs> like, what? come on! <laughs> why, 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 why do you, the chess writer, expect this guy to remember a game that he played at age seven? I don't know. I, I, I'm, 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 I've been, just been sort of continuously baffled by chess writers as I've been... <laughs> I mean, chess, chess writer does kind of presuppose a few things about a person. I guess I'm not surprised that someone who would pick that as a living would want, like, question somebody in depth about a series of games they played when they were too young to be fully conscious of the world. That makes sense to me. If someone yeah. were to interview me about <laughs> being seven, I would, I, I could probably, I have moderately strong memories of hurting a bunch of cows with a broomstick um in my fucking uh back 40 but but that's about it um i remember the time my dog got skunked and then ran into the house and skunked the entire house oh, um, no. and i remember getting not the big lego pirate ship but i had a good report card and my mom got me the small lego pirate ship and that was the best day of my childhood you know it was fucking dope ass pirate ship everybody I look so so someone should have got Bobby Fisher this thing so he didn't turn into Bobby Fisher and instead had a cool pirate ship. One Lego pirate ship could have solved a lot of problems. Yep. Instead, unfortunately, what happens is that uh, okay, so th- there, there's a there's a guy who is the the president of the Brooklyn Chess Club who like sees this seven year old playing this game and he's like, wow, the seven year old is actually pretty good. He's and and he invites him to join the Brooklyn Chess Club, which is very weird because the Brooklyn Chess Club is like. It's a very prestigious organization. It's like it's like we're like doctors and lawyers and stuff go to play chess, and they they don't allow children in. But the president's like, nah, I'm, I'm making an exception for this like seven year old. And so Bobby shows up, and nobody wants to play him because, and, and this 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 is a sort of a, a thing that's I think kind of special about over the board chess that you don't get with very many other things, which is that. Over-the-board chess is one of the few games you can play where you sit down and there's a seven-year-old across from you and the seven-year-old just destroys you. Yeah, I mean, Warhammer actually would be one of the others, but... Yeah, mm-hmm. but they're, 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 they're kind of rare now. But the, the problem is, okay, so Bobby Fischer shows up and nobody wants it to would play be with cool. because... it would be It would be cool if football worked that way. <laughs> oh, my like God. Like, full-contact football, throw some seven-year-olds on the field. Now let's see if they're prodigies. Put them up against these 350-pound steroid monsters. See how it goes. All right, well, kid. <laughs> After the snap, there's no more rules. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was saying so. so they, they 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 throw Bobby Fisher into this pool, and it goes about as well as you would expect a baby fighting like a guy in full football shit, which is he gets run over and destroyed like continuously. Yeah, awesome. That's good. That's good for kids. Yeah, but uh, unfortunately, he like just keeps doing this, and so 
he like even even like, progressively more and more of his time is consumed by chess. It gets to the point where like he has this like little chess set, and his chess set is just like covered in crumbs and like stains of all the food that he's eating while he's playing chess. And this gets to a point that's like I'm I'm going to read this thing from Endgame, which is that Fisher biography. He even maintained his involvement with the game while bathing. The Fishers didn't have a working shower, just a bathtub, and Bobby, like many young children, needed to be urged to take at least a weekly bath. Regina established a Sunday night ritual of running a bath for him, practically carrying him up to the tub. And once he was settled in the water, she'd lay a door from a discarded cabinet across the tub as a sort of tray, and then bring in Bobby's chest set, a container of milk, and whatever book he was studying at the time, help him get into position, position them on the board. Bobby soaked sometimes for hours as he became engrossed in the games of the greats, only emerging from the water prune-like when Regina insisted. Uh, uh, ew, the milk of it all really just <laughs> yeah. to the business. <laughs> It's not well, right. I don't like that. Yeah, that's not my favorite thing that I've heard. Uh, yeah, I to 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 the to Regina's credit, see, she actually this is, like this is why we okay. I don't know. I I'm 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 on I'm on shower gang now. I'm I'm fully shower pilled. I'm a shower cell. So. I couldn't agree more. Mm-hmm. I used to think a bath was a lovely thing. And nope. now it's been nope. uh, milkified and dorified. That sounds that yep. sounds horrifying. <laughs> yeah, it's it horrible. sounds like it sounds like a scene from the one of the one of the the later alien movies where one of those androids oh, yes. has been wounded and they've got You're that so like right. white milky blood gooping out everywhere. Gross. So uh, thanks for that, Mia. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. So oh yeah, as you can see, this is this is a very normal child. Yeah, sounds um, like a great childhood. Yeah, unfortunately, he, he's just he's he taking just keeps... his milk baths. He's getting his ass beaten by adults. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Reading lots of weird chess books sounds healthy. Yeah, so I, don't see, so I can't see how this guy like, turns out to be fash. Oh, oh, oh! Don't worry, we are we are we are literally right about to get to that. So great. Okay, the, the problem is that he just keeps getting better at chess, and but by the time he's twelve, he's like actually really good at the game. Like he's playing real tournaments. He's beating people who are actually good at chess. And at this point, Bobby becomes involved with the extremely wealthy chess patron E. Flory Locks, who arranges for him to go on this like chess trip around the U.S. and then go to Cuba to like play chess against Cuban chess players. Um, okay, here, what do we what do we know about this guy? Because that that's yeah, that, uh, that's uh, th- oh boy. <laughs> Okay, because uh, that does game. sound a little bit that does sound a little bit sketchy. Oh yeah, uh, Locks frequently wore a small black enameled lapel pin bearing a gold Nazi swastika. Oh boy! Amazingly, oh boy. it never seemed to attract much attention. He didn't wear it all the time, what? but often enough. What you wear didn't... that once, then people should be like, <laughs> "Yeah, the fuck, man, that's it's it's okay. wild." Great. Um, and, and, and it didn't seem to inhibit him when he was in a Jewish delicatessen to get his favorite sandwich of pastrami on rye or when he was talking to Jewish chess players. One player will... Why didn't uh, it affect him? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. This is like right after the Holocaust. I, 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 Honestly, it shouldn't have mattered if it was before the Holocaust. No, but like, you shouldn't be like, able to... You shouldn't be able to go... Anyway, I... You okay. would think. Cool. This Great. just keeps getting worse. So at one point, there was a player who gets embarrassed when he walks it, and you know, no, no he, he walks into this restaurant. And nobody says anything about it. Um, here, okay, here's some more stuff just about who this this guy is. In, in addition to the pin, Locks often wore, weather permitting, a small brimmed alpine fedora with a feather in the band, adorned with emblems from countries he Ab- traveled abs- to. Absolutely not. Okay. 
he he dre- uh, he ostentatiously dressed in later hosen at times, and for a few years even sported a Hitlerian mustache. Uh-huh. <laughs> when he entered tournaments dressed in cocky shirt and pants and dark tie and displaying that mustache it was as if the doppelganger of dare fury had been reincarnated in his home hung nazi flags in prominent locations and displays of airplanes models of meshmits and junkers as well as 75 and junkers yeah, yeah, yeah. sorry I'm, I'm i'm not a i'm not a world jesus War II christ man person <laughs> look <laughs> the, the german language is accursed that's true yeah he also has just like a bunch of he's like a giant oil painting of of adolf hitler in his house and like a bunch of third reich memorabilia so this guy's great yeah um, no he's he sounds dope yeah the, the the next line from this book was lax was inarguably one of the most eccentric people in the new york chess community which like i i, I guess eccentric is a way that you could describe this guy walking around in the nazi pin with the hitler mustache and later hosen <laughs> that is that is certainly eccentric <laughs> You know, you know, so, so late, later on in his life, right? But by the time he's about 16, he, he's on this tour when he's like, I think like 13. Uh, when, when he's like 16 or 17, Bobby's going to be like a very serious anti-Semite. And, you know, people are always like, well, how did this happen? And it's like, well, it might have been the fact that he was hanging out with this Nazi guy as like a 12 year old. might have had an impact. <laughs> and uh, also on the trip to Cuba is this guy named Norman T. Whitaker, who, quote, had also been in prison for car theft and for raping a 12 year old. When he was in his 60s, he proposed marriage to a 14 year old. So th- this is a great crowd of chess players wow. that we've assembled yeah, here. Yeah, a real, real. <laughs> Real luminaries in the field. Best of the best. God. Yeah. Fr- Frank Brady also notes, quote, Bobby sat up in front between the fascist and the con man, which uh, is, is this, this is called foreshadowing. Sounds like dad's doing a great job, by the way. Yeah. Well, <laughs> this, this is, is where, no, no, this is where your kids got to be. Yeah. Keep him there. Well, he, his dad is like fucked off somewhere. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry. It, it's, yeah. it's, 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 I don't know. It's, <laughs> it's good. No, this sounds fine. Um, I can't wait to hear how well the rest of the story goes. Well, the problem is he just keeps winning at chess. So at age 13, he wins the U.S. Junior Chess Championship, which is like nuts. And OK, unfortunately, I do have to talk about one game of chess because there Bobby Fischer plays. I mean, he plays a lot of famous games of chess. He plays one very famous one at age 13 where. Okay, so this game gets dubbed the game of the century. People talk about it literally all the fucking time. I'm sick of it. I'm very angry. This game's fine. He he plays like an he's playing like a very strong international master. Um, and you know he he does he plays a pretty cool game where like he like sacrifices he famously like sacrifices his queen and then uses his queen sacrifice to like get this attack and does all this stuff with his knights and his rooks and everyone is like loses their minds. Exactly, unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah, and you know. Okay, uh, on the one hand, like, this is a pretty good game of chess. On the other hand, I can open YouTube right now and find, like, a thousand games of chess that are way cooler than this that aren't the product of, like, domestic operation paperclip. So, uh, this is, this is, this is, this is, okay, th- this is the extent of which I'm going to talk about the game of the century because I'm sick of people talking about it. Okay. Um, yeah, but, I, but unfortunately, I do have to mention the chess people will, like, attempt to murder me in my sleep, so... Yeah, chess people. You hope you're now. I hope you're now satisfied. I have briefly covered this one game. See, I'm not worried about that at all. I feel like I could beat the shit out of chess people in a fight. I maybe they spend but all their time there reading are, chess books. Mm-hmm. They they have I don't know. They 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 have suspiciously high level state contacts, which is not a. I don't know. You 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 wouldn't think that was true, but these guys know a lot of intelligence agencies. 
Yeah, well, that's fair. So at age 14, uh, Bobby Fischer becomes the American chess champion. And Robert, you might be asking, how did a 14-year-old win the U.S. Open and become the American chess champion? And part of it is just that the Americans suck at chess. Yeah, that sounds right. And the the, the other thing that's going on here is that Bobby Fischer, you know, okay, so like he, he realizes that Americans aren't very good at chess. And so he learns Russian in order to read Russian chess books. And he just keeps doing this his entire life. He just keeps learning languages, like specifically to read chess books that are in other languages. And so, you know, he, he starts, he starts reading, like he's, he starts like reading these things and you know, while, while all of this is happening, uh, Bobby Fischer starts getting investigated by the FBI. Okay. Which, uh, okay. So he, he's, that, that's he's, bad, right? You don't want to get investigated by the FBI. Yeah. That's no, I mean, that he, seems he, like it's he no is good. being investigated by the FBI for like a third of his life, but somehow it's the third of his life where he doesn't think that he's being investigated by the FBI. Oh, well. which is a very, very strange. So the, the reason is this is happening is that the FBI thinks that his mom was working for the Soviets. Okay. And okay. It turns out that not only was she not working for the Soviets, she'd actually gotten kicked out of the communist party, but uh, you know, it's the FBI. They're, they're not going to let something as petty as, you know, reality get in the way of their sort of domestic, like espionage operations. And this gets like so serious that like they are, the, the FBI is infiltrating TV shows, like the crews of TV shows that Bobby is going on to like, see if he's a Soviet spy. Um, his mom starts drilling him about what to say if the FBI shows up at your door, which is apparently, quote, I have nothing to say to you. Yep, that is, no, I mean, that is the thing that you say if the FBI shows up at your door. Come yep. back with the warrant. I'm not speaking to you without a lawyer. No, yep. Nothing the fuck else. Uh, <laughs> so, no, I mean, actually, honestly, yeah, this is the first advice. time mom has given him good advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, you know, I, I feel really bad for her because it's like, she, she, well, she, she also, She's also the only person in Bobby Fischer's life who ever attempts to stop him from playing chess. Mm -hmm. But she does this by going to like chess psychiatrists and being like, is he addicted to chess? But they're all chess psychiatrists. And they're like, no, yeah, I don't think you're going to get good information from a <laughs> <Yeah>. chess psychiatrist. <laughs> so, okay. And, and, and later on in life, Bobby Fischer is going to get absolutely obsessed with the idea that he's being spied on and people like coming to kill him. And on the one hand, okay. this is just like his own sort of like, Dissented conspiracy conspiracy theories, but on the other hand, like it's hard to argue about the fact that the U.S. government was in fact spying on him for a bunch of his life. Like, did not play a role in this. I mean, given the period of time that this is, if you are someone who is even moderately prominent in a thing that might put you in contact with people outside of the United States, you're yep. being spied on by the U.S. Well, government. And, and, like, and, you know, okay, so one of, one, of, one of the big things happens is uh, Bobby Fischer is trying to go to the USSR to play against the Russian chess players. Mm hmm. And, you know, so the, the Americans uh, hate this, but okay. So what the, 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 the larger backstory here is because Bobby Fischer is now the U S chess champion, he gets invited to this like tournament in Yugoslavia. And if, if you place high enough in this tournament, you get a chance to be in another tournament and that, and if you, and if you win that tournament, you can become the world, you can play the guy, you can play the world yeah. champion and become the world champion. So he goes to this thing. Right. And while he's in Yugoslavia, well, he's, he has to go to Yugoslavia, but he's like, okay, I'm going to go to the Soviet union because it's like close. And the Soviets okay. are like, sure, 15-year-old Bobby Fischer, like, you, you you can come be a guest in our country because you're good at chess. So Fischer shows up to the USSR, and, like, he, like, steps off the plane and just immediately starts demanding that the Soviets, like, bring out their best chess players to play him. The Soviets are like, really, dude? Like, we, we brought you here as a guest, and you are yelling at us to bring out your best chess players? So eventually, they, they bring out 
a, a, a guy named Petrosian who is like, this guy is four years out from becoming the world champion. Like he is a good, he is like good at chess. Pretty right? good at chess. Yeah. But Fisher's pissed off because he's not the current world champion. And then immediately Fisher starts asking how much he's going to get paid for playing Petrosian. And Petrosian's like, what the fuck are you talking? What What do you mean? You you came like the Soviet here. Union. We have no money. I oh they they have money. It's <laughs> it, it becomes clear very quickly in this story. They do in fact have money. But he's like he's like like what 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 do you mean? Like you 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 came to stay as a guest here, and now you are demanding to get paid money for playing us. Like what is happening here? And. You know, and Fisher just gets progressively more and more mad as this goes on because he wants to play like like ter- like actual like tournament games, and they're just playing like speed chess. And he just gets like progressively angrier. And okay, so there there, there is a very important event in the life of Bobby Fisher that happens next, and there's a, there's a lot of disputes over what exactly happens. Um, the claim at the time was that Fisher, like standing right next to his like English, like his tra- English translator, starts yelling about like quote these Russian pigs. Um, th- this is the way that I've seen it reported in a lot of the sort of books and articles about him. Um, and this is what gets reported to the Russian press. Frank Brady, who, who's Fisher's biographer, claims that uh, Fisher actually said pork and was complaining about his food, but the translator got the confused the word for pork and pig. Okay. But whatever happens, like, this turns into sort of, like, a firestorm, right? Because, you know, this American kid came here and then starts screaming about Russian pigs. And the Soviets are like, okay, you, like, can't stay here now. And, okay, so so this means that Bobby, Bobby still has time before this tournament. He's like, okay, where am I going to go? And then, from left field, by God, is that Tito's music? Oh shit! Oh shit! Is he coming in with a steel chair? Yep, he is. He is about to beat the shit out of uh, I, who was who was in power in the Soviet Union at this point. I uh, probably Khrushchev. He's he's about he's about to hit Khrushchev from the high wire with a steel chair. God, man! I just every time Tito comes into a story, you know things are about to get fun. But you yeah. know what else makes things fun? Is it the products and services that support this podcast? Is it and not, buying yep, them? That's, you're goddamn right. There's nothing besides buying products and services that makes anyone happy. Um, and that's the truth. That's science. That's mathematics. The evidence keeps pouring in. At this point, the facts are undeniable. It's an open and shut case. Monopoly Go is the most fun you can have in a mobile game. Millions of people pass Go every day because this game is always bringing something new to the table. Countless crazy tournaments you can join with your friends as partners or teams. Constantly changing challenges like money sprees or treasure hunts that keep it fresh with new wild minigames. Timed events offering bonuses like massive multipliers or rent frenzies to help you get huge rewards. And there's so many rewards to discover. Rare stickers you can trade with friends to complete albums, delightful emojis to taunt people with when you raid their riches, unique playing pieces, and so much more. The verdict is in with Monopoly Go. There's something new to discover every time you play. So don't miss out. Go download it now for free on the App Store and Google Play. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins. 
Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. And we're back. Ugh. All right, please continue, Mia. So Bobby is about to, is getting kicked out of the Soviet Union. Uh, Yugoslavia, who is like the great socialist enemy of the USSR, swoops in and is like, hey, Bobby Fischer, yeah, come here, play our grandmasters. It'll be great. And, you know, F- Fisher, Fisher is like incredibly happy about this. And I, I just got to say this, man, Tito, old buddy, this man is going to do things to your country that if you found them out would cause all of your organs to explode simultaneously like you should have left him to the Soviets. But unfortunately, Tito, Tito, Tito offers hospitality to this this terrifying American man. And, you know, the, the product of this is that Fisher like goes to Yugoslavia and loves it there. And for yeah, like the rest sense. of his life, he's going to. Well, OK. And this and this is where we need to be sort of careful. He's going to like he's he's going to like Belgrade a lot specifically. Hell yeah. Um this is going to become important later. Uh Hey, Belgrade's dope city. Love it. Yeah. Um, if you want if you want to get a pile of perfectly cooked processed meat walked to you by a waiter who is actively smoking a cigarette over the plate. And enjoy the entire experience. Belgrade is the city for you. Um, I mean that unironically. Uh, great town, love it. Yeah, Fisher. I I I don't know. He 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 just enjoys that a lot and other stuff that he's doing there. Question mark. We'll get into that a little bit. Um. Okay. So he he's playing this tournament right, and everyone expects him to just sort of bomb out because he's like fifteen. But instead, what he does is he draws like a bunch of the best players in the world, and. You know, and he beats he beats some people. He draws like three of the best Soviet players, and somehow, you know, this like fifteen year old kid from the from like the just just the absolute provincial backwater United States, uh, like qualifies for the Champions Tournament and simultaneously becomes the youngest Grandmaster in history. And it's at this point that everyone starts to lose their minds for Bobby Fischer. Okay, like all over the American chess scene, everyone's suddenly talking about like, oh my god, there's this kid. Who could beat the Soviets at chess? Like he 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 gets he gets a full editorial in the New York Times. Um, suddenly there's this like there's like the Great White Hope against the Soviet chess machine, and you know every like from this point on like everything that he does just becomes like in layered and like levels and layers and layers and layers and layers of propaganda because the U.S. had finally done the thing that it always does when it needs to fight communism. They had found their own Nazi. So. Okay, even, even even at like this age, Bobby is very very anti-Semitic. Um, he's better at hiding it than he's going to be later on. But he is doing stuff like, for example, the Encyclopedia Judica. I like put him in on their list of like famous Jewish people because his parents are Jewish, and he writes them a letter saying he is not Jewish, and they need to take him off his list. And then he starts doing something he's going to do for the entire rest of his life, which is threaten to whip out his dick to show that he's not circumcised and thus not Jewish. Wow. Which well, is I like... Mean, can't argue with that. Perfect, perfect I, evidence I, there. It's, 
I, I don't know. I, I, I have nothing on this. It is a very, very weird kind of anti-Semitism. And I, I need everyone to like, okay, whenever you think of Bobby Fischer, you need to understand that he is at all times two steps away from just whipping out of his dick to prove how not Jewish he is. Like, he... The, he's gonna like there's gonna it's be a shame, another it's time a shame he does to bring in racism into the proud tradition of whipping out your dick at a tre- at a chess tournament that's that's heartbreaking yeah i it's he's i don't know it, it, it's 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 he is he is a wildly weird anti-semitic person there's there's another story of his sort of early anti uh, early anti-semitism so in, in 1962 he, he's doing this interview he's i think how old is he like 18 or 19 at this point uh there, there's, there's this harper's magazine interview where i uh, he says quote yeah there are too many jews in chess they have taken away the class of the game they don't dress too nicely that's what i don't like and and i want to remind everyone here that like okay Bobby Fischer is about to become like the like literally the symbol of american chess right and, and you know a, a, a genuine sort of geopolitical and moral hero of the u.s and this was just in Harper's Magazine. <laughs> like, he just said that. He's, wow. And, 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 that, and, that's, and this isn't like, it's not like he's saying this to like, I don't know, like a tiny village paper in like rural Idaho or something. Like, like the journalists yeah. actually read this, right? But, you know, there's something that's going to happen time and time again in the story. Is it like the press is just like, they'll, they'll see him say something like like this. And then they're going to see some pretty good chess and they're just instantly going to forget about it. And everyone's going to go back to comparing him to like Mozart and like Picasso and immediately forget what he thinks about the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he he's a literal Nazi, but he's good at chess. So who can say if it's bad? Yeah. Yeah. So, OK, but back to him being good at chess for a little bit. Um, Fisher qualifies for the candidates tournament, which is, yeah, this is the tournament where, like, if you win it, you get the Red Challenge of World Championship. And like almost immediately after he gets there, he makes history of becoming the first grandmaster ever to get into a fist fight with another grandmaster at a chess tournament. OK, now that's dope. That's that. That's good. That's like that's like Adam amazing. Sandler and fucking Happy Gilmore. Yeah. yeah. So. All right. Mm. So that, 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 I, 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 I respect that. Look, <laughs> he's a Nazi, but that's pretty funny. Yeah. And then he, he does. He does another. Very, there's another very famous Bobby Fischer thing that happens here. And I'm, I'm just going to read this from Endgame. Henry Stockholm, the chess player who was covering the match for the Associated Press, brought Bobby to a brothel one night and waited for him. When Bobby exited an hour later, Stockholm asked him how he enjoyed it. And Bobby's comment, which he repeated other times, has been quoted, chess is better. Huh. So this is a this is a a a, a incredibly weird, weird dude. Yeah. Um unfortunately for Bobby, he just gets like destroyed in this tournament. And this leads to basically what what becomes the Bobby Fischer chess special. Uh, he immediately starts screaming about how the entire tournament was rigged. And th- this is like enough that he, he gets an entire like giant. I think it was like a front cover piece in Sports Illustrated called The Russians Have Fixed World Chess. And OK, so this is kind of true. Um, what was happening at these tournaments is that the Soviets would play these like fast draws against each other so that they could like preserve their energy for when they had to play non-Soviet players. But also there was, there was a bunch of, there's like, there was endless analysis of this that's done by like people then and people now. And basically what they concluded was like, okay, so the Soviets win every tournament, but the Soviets win every tournament because they have more good chess players than anyone else does. <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, but Bobby Bobby is convinced it's because they're just like cheaters, and he this he this just like he gets really really angry at this, and you know he's okay. already nursing this grudge from the Soviets, like kicked him out, and so at this point he basically just like swears eternal revenge on the Soviet Union to the point where he, he refuses to play any tournaments that the International Chess Federation puts on because he's like the International Chess Federation is like a tool of the Soviets. And I mean, from here, okay, man. Like, yeah, well, okay. So th- this, this is, you know, as much as I've been saying he's report, this is where he starts to get really weird. Um, so there's this like, yeah, because like, I, I guess it's like that's like a little fucky what it, they were doing, but that's not really. Cheating, yeah, it's not really right. No, like, it, if you're playing them, you're still just playing a game of chess. Like, they haven't taken chess steroids. They're yeah. not. They're not hiding an extra queen up their sleeves. No, <laughs> they're just like kind of coming in a little fresher than you because they fucked around slightly. But I don't know. Cheating seems like a weird way to phrase that. Yeah, and she just gets. He gets just utterly like he like on his like deathbed. He is going to be yelling about how the Soviets cheated him and like stuff like that. All right, man. And you know, okay. And partially, he, right, he just man. gets like, like, yeah. He, he 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 turns into a kind of guy that is partly very recognizable and partly not. So his two favorite books in this period are 1984 and Animal Farm. Oh so boy! This is a you know things are going great. Um, it, I'm gonna it, guess he didn't read a lot of other Orwell. Uh, no, <laughs> it's he'll, he'll and amazingly the, those are like the two most normal things he's gonna read from here on out. He also like he starts listening to. I, I, my, my, my ancient enemy, the, the evangelical preacher, Billy Graham. Oh, no, no, and then, no. And then he discovers a man named Herbert W. Armstrong's Radio Church of God. Oh, no, no, not Armstrong. Oh, <laughs> so, boy. Um, we should talk about Armstrong a little bit. Uh, so yeah. Armstrong is, he's cut from the same cloth in I'm a lot, in a lot of ways. I'm fairly certain we've mentioned him once or twice on the show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, I mean, he's like, he's like okay, he's, I, I, I think he's technically Christian, but he's oh, like definitely a, technically Christian. Well, here's yeah. the thing. Here's the thing. He's not a Trinitarian. And at that point, I, I, I start I start looking at you real closely when you deny the Trinity as to whether or not you are actually a Christian. This is this is the line that I, someone who is not Christian, has imposed on Christianity. See 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 how they like imperialism this once. He's I a have no opinion on that, but. <laughs> He, 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 Armstrong is like a weird, real weirdo. He, he's like a he's a British Israelite, which is just like yeah. Weird. I mean, he's yeah. He's he's th- these are the folks who believe that like British people are the real Jews and Jews aren't real. Uh, like the actual yeah. Jewish people are not actual Jewish people. Um, which which and it's, you know there's you can, there's a bunch of weird like it. This kind of feeds into the creativity movement and a oh yeah, we're gonna get we're gonna get to that a little yeah. bit too. Oh, um, oh good, yeah, huzzah. So, yeah, I you know so what what there, there there's a lot of things that he like uh, gets involved with. Um, Fisher Fisher like jo- well he doesn't quite join the church because there are some like prescriptions on stuff. The, the, the church has rules about like you're not supposed to date anyone inside the church. And Fisher's like this is stupid. So he doesn't that's, technically that's join good. the church, but he's like good taking you, Bible Bobby, classes for from them. The power. <laughs> yeah, but he also picks up something that like he he picks up basically th- th- these guys are also sort of like. I don't know if proto is the right term, but they're basically like like Christian science people. So they like don't believe in doctors and they don't believe in vaccinations. And Fisher like picks this up. He like mm-hmm. is really hardcore on this don't go to doctors thing. And he also starts tithing the church 10% of his income. Dope. And the other thing he starts doing around this period is 
he starts carrying around this blue cardboard box everywhere that he goes. And he would just refuse to open it. Everyone would act like he's just he's just walking around carrying this blue cardboard box. And everyone's like, okay, Fisher, like what 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 is this blue cardboard box? And he'd just get really mad when anyone asked him. And one time he finally like relented to the pressure and opened it, and inside of the box was the Bible. Which Oh my god. <laughs> like this is something that like a youth pastor would the story like a youth pastor would tell. That's yeah. like one of those like really, this child's name really was Albert Einstein. For jokes. Jesus there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> So he gets very weird. Um, uh, so, okay. So this goes on for like a couple, he has a couple of years of being wrapped in his, like, I'm not going to play for Fide. I'm not going to, he, he plays like very little chess, but eventually Fide is able to sort of like entice him back to like play chess again by like changing the format of the world's tournament. So like people couldn't, the candidates tournaments, people can't collude. And so Bobby Fisher like goes into this tournament. And he just trivially easily destroys like three Soviet grandmasters. And he, you know, he, he's very, very quickly and incredibly decisively. I mean, he, he just annihilates them. And this means that he has the right to challenge the world champion, Boris Spassky, who at this point, Spassky is like one of the few people on earth that Fisher has never beaten. But, you know, this is a sensation in the U.S. Suddenly, like, you know, back, back, back when he, like, qualified for the candidates tournament, like, chess, like, there was some coverage of it and, like, chess people were talking. Now, like, everyone knows who Bobby Fischer is. Like, sure. in the entire country. This is, this is like, everyone, and suddenly everyone's into chess, too. Like, it's on the front page of the New York Times. Every yeah, TV it's one station of those is covering things, it. Like, when yeah. people briefly cared about uh, hockey because of, because of that team fought the Soviets. yeah. Yeah, and like this is this is this is basically the 1970s version of like the Han the the, the Magnus Carlsen Hans Nielman like cheating butt plug thing, and it sparks like un- until basically literally this month probably like the greatest chess boom America has ever seen, and you know okay so th- this this is a like nobody really cares about chess what, what's actually happening here is this is you know this is like this is basically a, a American nationalism and sort of anti communism and. Fisher is seen by everyone, like including himself as, as a cold warrior, a term that people took like incredibly seriously at this time. And now sounds like the tag off for like a ripoff mortal combat character. Yep. And you know, okay. Like the stated reason for this is that like chess is like a big deal to the Soviets. It's ideologically important. Like Lenin like played chess and wanted everyone to play chess. Yeah. We, but, we got to <laughs> Yeah, it, the, yeah, the, we, the we, Cold we have War to was quite sh- a time. So, yeah, like, yeah, this is the thing you have to understand about the Cold War is every single person on the face of the earth is completely insane during this entire yeah. period, right? This match has literally no effect on the Cold War. Nothing. It does nothing. It, there was never a chance it could even conceivably have done anything. And, and I, I want everyone to keep this in mind as we tell, as I tell the story of this world championship, because by the end of the story, the president of the United States is going to be personally involved in getting Bobby Fischer to play this game. Like this is this is a game of chess. They're just playing chess. This is compl- everyone is completely deranged. So okay, uh, on, 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 now, now that we've prefaced this with the fact that like nobody nobody involved with this is even remotely sane. Um. Bobby Fischer is like, okay, he, he's headed into his, like, world championship match with Boris Spassky. They're going to play a bunch of games. One of them's going to win. Um, there's a huge fight about the location that, frankly, doesn't matter. They settle on Iceland. 
And okay. this tournament, you know, it, it, it's it's going to be a huge deal. It has the largest prize pool of all time for a chess match. And Bobby Fischer takes a look at the most money a chess player has ever received for playing chess and is like, no, I want a bigger cut of the ticket sales. And they're like, Bobby, like if, if you if you take money from the ticket sales, like we're going to lose money on this. And he's like, I don't care. I literally will not play unless you give me money from the ticket sales. And they think he's bluffing, but he's not bluffing. He cancels his flight from New York to Iceland because they won't <laughs> like pay him more. And this is also very funny because the, the head of the Icelandic Chess Federation, who's like the guy who's been organizing this whole thing, is a very hardcore anti-communist, right? And he's you trying to use this whole match as anti-communist propaganda. But, you know, you, you get what you pay for, buddy. Like, yeah, you, you want to do anti-cap and anti-communist propaganda? Uh, have fun dealing with, like, this absolute capitalist asshole who just keeps extorting you literally every five seconds. And, okay, so th- th- this... This 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 sort of saga of Fisher Fisher like refusing to show up to Iceland continues until a chess journalist calls this British investment banker named Derek Slater who puts like nine hundred thousand dollars in today's money into the prize pool in order to get Fisher to play. Huh. And Fisher's still like yeah. And at this point. Henry fucking Kissinger makes a personal call to Bobby Fischer and says, you have to play this game for America. The United States of America requires you that you play this chess game. And this finally convinces Bobby, Bobby to play. Now, the, the other thing that's that's very weird about this is, OK, so this is like this is like, you know, high Cold War drama, right? So you would expect that Fischer's opponent, who is Boris Spassky, like the, the darling of the Soviet chess machine, you would expect him to be a communist. Yeah. But no, he's a czarist. Oh, um, no. <laughs> here is a quote from Spassky. As for my views, I'm a Russian nationalist, and there's nothing scary about that. Don't be afraid. Some say that Russian nationalist is a nasty thing, most definitely an anti-Semite, a racist, a national Bolshevik. No, for a nationalist, God exists in that and nations that respect each other. I'm a convinced monarchist. I remained a monarchist during the Soviet years and never tried to hide that. I believe the greatness of Russia is connected to the activity of the national leaders represented by our czars. Wow. Uh... <laughs> It's strong take. Okay. I, I, you know, I talked about this a bit earlier, but like th- this was the moment where I, fi- I, I finally just became convinced that I, and I spent like a bunch of time trying to find like a super grandmaster who has like normal ish politics. And the, the thing that I realized, yeah, there's something about just spending all your time playing trust that drives you completely mad. Like all of these people have just the most nonsense politics I've ever seen. Like it, it's like looking through a poll board and you, you just find you find ideologies that are like, how are you a czarist in like 2003? Like, what 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 is happening here? I mean, there are still czarists today. Like, yep. I there's there's many many monarchists on Twitter at least that you can find. And if you if you go to YouTube and you look up like Russian imperial anthems and stuff from the czarist yeah. era, you will find people being like, ah, oh. for the days of Nikolai the <laughs> Second. Yeah, um, so I'm, I don't know. I'm not. Su- I'm also not surprised that a chess guy in specific would be a monarchist. It is low key a monarchist. It game. is true, but but the, the, the thing that's weird about this, right, is like all of the sort of like all of the the, the like every every single like major communist. I don't know if actually Stalin did, but like 
every like major comedy person, like Cheeto plays chess, Lenin plays chess, Che Guevara at one point like helps Fisher play a tournament in Cuba. Like everyone plays chess, and then all of their chess players are like weird fascists, and none of them are communists. It's it's oh god. I don't know. I I'll never understand chess. So I. I <laughs> But, the, the, but, the, but clearly, if you like chess a lot, you're problematic. So I, I think we can say that for certain. It's true. This, this is this is how I get canceled. Mm-hmm. So, all right. I, I, th- this, <sighs> I, I'm, I'm just going to read a quote about Endnotes about what, uh, from Endgame about what Bobby Fischer does when he, like, finally shows up in Iceland after getting personally called by Henry Kissinger. Several hours later, coming home from bowling in the early hours of the morning, before returning to the hotel, Bobby sneaked into the playing hall to check out the conditions. After an 80-minute inspection, he had a number of complaints. He thought the lighting should be brighter. The pieces of the chess set were too small for the squares of the custom-built board. The board itself was not quite right. It was made of stone, and he thought wood would be preferable. Finally, he thought that the two cameras hidden inside burlap-covered towers might be distracting when he began to play, and the towers themselves, looming over the stage like medieval battering rams, were disconcerting. So he he is showing up at like four in the morning and he walks into the hall and he just starts bitching about all like the chess pieces are the wrong size. (laughs) And so, okay, the the tournament organizers are like, whatever, we need this game to happen. And they're, 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 they're just desperate for this match to happen. And, you know, okay, so chess starts to be played. But in the words of John Boyce, who cares about that? Mid- midway through game one, Bobby Fischer starts complaining that one of the cameras in the back is distracting. So the, the game like adjourns for the day. There's a, there's a thing in this period where like you play 40 moves and then everyone leaves and goes home and you come back and finish the game the next day. So Fisher comes in, he plays one move. And then he stands up on live TV, walks to the backstage, and spends 35 minutes of his own game time with his clock ticking down, screaming at the organizers to take down the camera. And, okay, uh-huh. they, they eventually give in. But the next day, the game is supposed to start, and Fisher is nowhere to be seen. Fish, Fisher's team shows up. His, you know, his team is sort of like lawyers and like advisors. They show up, and they tell them that Bobby Fisher will not play unless all cameras are removed from the venue. Oh my God, Bobby! <laughs> Jesus, what a fucking prima donna! It it gets it. This 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 is we we are we are like maybe in the early mid game of Bob of Bobby doing this shit in this tournament. Um. Okay, so he then refuses to even show up to the hall to see if the accommodations the organizers were like, okay, we'll we'll, we'll move cameras, and he like he won't even show up to like check if they're fine. So. You know, he just, he just, he's not there. So the, the game starts, right? And Spassky's like, okay, I'm going to start the game clock. And Fisher is just still in his bed, like in his underwear in his hotel. And eventually the organizers are like, okay, fine. For one game, we will remove all the cameras. And Fisher goes, I'm, I'm not going to show up unless you give me back all of the time on my chess clock that I spent yelling, like arguing with you about removing these cameras. And the organizers finally are like, come on, man, like there, there has to be a line like you, you can't just not show up to your match and then demand we give you all of your time back because you were arguing with us. So and they they, they everyone at every point in the story like expects Fisher's going to compromise. He just doesn't. He just does not show up for this game. OK, and yeah. So so we're, we're not we're now on day four. Right. And. 
the organizers are like he, Fisher is like okay we we I, I I we need to wipe this game from the record I didn't lose this game you have to like forget that I didn't show up and they're like come on like you didn't show up to this game and so Fisher books a flight home to the U.S. So it, it is now day four of the World Chess Championship. Fisher is still refusing to play. The New York Times on its front page publishes an article begging him to play. Like. <laughs> that's sad yeah she gets a second call new york henry times kissinger. don't fucking simp for a fascist impossible yeah, challenge like, henry kissinger calls him again uh, richard nixon richard nixon personally invites him to the white house in order to try that, to get him that to is play the least su- least surprising part of this story also well, the fact that henry kissinger would negotiate badly oh, yeah it's <laughs> And, you know, okay, we, we, we could reasonably ask ourselves at this point, why is the Secretary of State and the President of the United States getting involved to make sure some, like, random asshole anti-Semite plays a chess game? And the answer is that, like, insofar as this game is, is, is important anyway, it's because, it, you know, it's about, like, symbols and sort of myths. And Spatsky is, like, the representative of, like, the, the bureaucratic, like, terror apparatus of the Soviet Union who's being challenged by, like, this, like, lone individual manic, manic genius of the free world. But like, okay, if you th- if you take about two seconds to think about what the U.S. is doing while this is going on, right? Okay, like what 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 is Kissinger doing? And the answer is using one of the like literally one of history's largest most most like bureaucratic organizations to deliver munitions from Tennessee to Tokyo in order to burn children alive in Vietnam and Cambodia to you know prop up an incredibly corrupt and tyrannical narco dictatorship. So you know, in in some sense, right. Fisher is is like he's someone he is kind of someone the Americans need, right? He's he he's someone that like someone like Kissinger or someone like Nixon needs to be the sort of like individualist hero to match the Soviets' collective hero. Because otherwise everyone's gonna start questions about start like asking questions about the fact that like we also have our own terror bureaucracy that is like murdering everyone in the street, but like, no, hey, look, it's Bobby Fisher. We're gonna like wave this like like shiny trinket in front of you and be like, he is all of us, and then meanwhile, like, okay, like the 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 the, the, the great American collective hero is sitting in his underwear refusing to play like refusing to play chess because there's cameras in the room. And, and even after all of this, Fisher is still refusing to play. And what, what eventually convinces him is that, like, Boris Spatsky, who by all rights at this point could simply have gone, I beat him, he refused to play me again, I'm going home. Yeah. Is like, fine, I, I will look, like, I, I will go talk to him, we'll play a game, be like, backstage where there's no cameras. And Fisher, like... Finally, having gotten literally everything that he wants out of his temper tantrum, like waits until 90 minutes before the match is going to start and finally agrees to play. So the match starts again. Fisher makes one move, jumps out of his seat and starts screaming at the organizers that there's a camera again. And at this point, Spassky, who is like he has been putting up with Fisher's bullshit for like months now, just like just snaps and just like walks out of the room. And the, 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 this one referee has to convince both Spassky and Fisher that they should actually play this game. And eventually this guy who like absolutely should have had Kissinger's job because he's apparently just a miracle worker, like manages to convince both of them to play the game. And at this point, like the game after like a, a, a litany of bullshit, two calls from the secretary of state, uh, like cash infusions from uh, British bankers. The, the thing, like, finally gets going. And meanwhile, in the U.S., like, 
This is such a big deal. Well, it's, a good PBS... re- it's a good thing there's no other problems happening in the world at this oh, point. Oh, God, yeah. Th- that these no, people like... could be focusing on. <laughs> yeah, like... This was the number one thing happening at the time. Yeah. Well, okay. Here, here, we're we're going to get something about that. So, so PBS puts together a special program specifically just to broadcast these games. This is watched by over a million people. Um, here's from Endgame. So popular was the show that it crowded out the baseball and tennis coverage normally seen in sports bars in New York. And when the channel was covering the Democratic National Convention in Washington, the stations were flooded with thousands of calls to have them put the chess match back on. Station officials gave in to the viewers' demands, dropped the convention, and went back to broadcasting the match. (laughs) Oh, God. So, okay, people love Chessmania, but, like, back in the match, like, nothing interesting happens. It's not a very good match. Both of them are playing kind of badly. Fisher wins. And then he shows up to his medal ceremony, and then in order to complain that there's not, his name isn't engraved on the medal. Huh. And that is, (laughs) that, that is, that is Fisher winning the the chess world championship. You know, he, at this point, you know, Fisher is an American hero, right? Like, sure sounds like he's done all this stuff. Yeah. (laughs) He he is a profoundly American figure, and he comes back to the U.S. That is undeniable. He sounds extremely American. (laughs) It's, it's amazing. So, okay, so he comes back to the U.S., and he gets, like, he has a, a, a just infinite number of sponsorship deals and, like, branding stuff, and everyone wants to talk to him, and he just turns them all down. Um, here's, here, here's, here's one last thing from Endgame. The most fabulous offer came to Fisher in 1974, right after the Muhammad Ali-George Foreman fight, known as the Rumble in the Jungle in Zaire. The Zaire government offered Fisher $5 million, I think that's like that's like $40 million or something in modern money, uh, to play Anatoly Karpov in their country in what would have been a month-long uh, championship chess match. Too short, said Bobby. How dare they offer me $5 million for a month-long match? This is like, yeah, this is $30 million in today's money. Ali received Jesus twice Christ. that much for one night. He didn't. Uh, Muhammad Ali did not get five, uh, $10 million. No, no but and, also uh, Muhammad Ali's... <laughs> The sport yeah. that he played involved yeah. him destroying his brain by getting his skull smashed. So yes, okay, okay. I understand why he might get more money. Yeah, uh, okay. Get 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 this fucking next line. It was after that match that Ali became began calling himself the greatest, and Bobby took issue with that too. Ali stole it from me, said Bobby. I used the greatest for myself on television before he ever used it. Okay, okay, Bobby. <laughs> You, you don't get to copyright the term the greatest. Yeah, and you, you, you don't get to complain that Muhammad Ali is using it No, no, you know what? I think we should do a hybrid chess boxing match between Ali no, and No, I would have uh, loved to see Fisher. that. Ali, Ali oh my literally would yeah. have murdered him. It would have been amazing. He would have, that man would have died in the ring. Mm-hmm. It would have been, oh. would have been very funny. Oh. Unfortunately, chess boxing will not become a popular thing until two months ago. So rest yes, in we, peace. We do, yeah, yeah, yeah. And th- this is this is where we're gonna leave Fisher here for today at, at wow. like the absolute peak of his fame <laughs> and uh, uh, yell, yelling at Muhammad Ali for calling well, himself the greatest because he did it first. <laughs> I think we can all agree chess was a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mia, you want to plug your pluggables before we we ride out? Yeah, so I, I, I do a show called It Could Happen Here that Robert mm-hmm. is also on sometimes. I am. And other people are also on, and it's good, and you should listen to it. And I'm also at itmechr3 on Twitter if you'd want to be there for some reason. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I have a book called After the Revolution. You can buy it by typing it into any place that sells books, Amazon or bookshop.org or whatever that place is, or just go to the AK Press website. You can buy After the Revolution everywhere. Um, all right, folks, until next week, go go, go play Warhammer, you know? In, engage with the true sport of strategic masters, the one that has a lot of chainsaws in it. Behind the Bastards is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You ever get that feeling like the concrete jungle's closing in? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to chase your own dinner, or just breathe clean air. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there waiting, and finding your piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, price, location. They've got it all. No matter what kind of wild dream you're chasing, land.com can help you find the ground to make it a reality. So quit dreaming. Head over to land.com, find your open space, and get out there. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.